welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host, Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone. You can find me on Twitter at Dino Game Theory. This is episode 27, and uh, and I'm pretty excited about my guest today. There's no doubt about that, and I'll bring him on in a moment. But first, I wanted to just kind of start you guys off with where my mind has been at. Uh, a ton of stuff has been going on, you know, sort of behind the scenes in terms of, um, you know, dynasty strategy and things like that. People hit me up on Twitter and some kind of stuck with me, um, you know, even from kind of last couple episodes that uh, I wanted to talk about. And and actually, I think our, our guests might have something to say about that today. But um, it, it was sort of, a, you know, that sort of dynasty game theory thought process of of understanding, you know, assets. And we had talked a little bit about, you know, the 2021 draft picks and their value as they sit currently. Uh, they're very valuable, but they're only going to increase in value. And I think as a dynasty player, it's super important to understand the, the when those things are when those uh, assets are increasing, decreasing, static. When is the time to sell them, move them? All those things are are I think the ways that you win on the edges. Um, you know, a lot of people will put, "Did I win this trade or lose this trade?" And in the moment, you know, it could be one way, and then you know, six months or sometimes quicker than that, you know, six days later, it's a different way. And right now, you know, I've probably been a little bit tardy in talking about it, but with free agency only two weeks away, there's going to be a lot of assets that that see drastic jumps in value. We kind of saw that today with Irv Smith or, you know, a couple days ago with Irv Smith and the Kyle Rudolph news. You know, if you had bought Irv Smith a week ago and sold him today, uh, you would have gained value. And it's trying to see those little micro advantages in Dynasty that you want to uh, take advantage of. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that. And the person I'm going to talk to about that today is a very, very special guest from, from my perspective. I think he's the probably the nicest guy in Dynasty. He won't tell you that. He'll be modest, but he really is, man. I know some of you guys are like, oh, shit, he's got Ryan McDowell on. And you'd be right, because that's who it is, man. I've got Ryan McDowell joining me from DLF. You can find Ryan at at Ryan MC 23. Look, if you if you guys listen to me and you don't know who Ryan McDowell is, check yourself. Pause this, go to Twitter, go follow him because you should be already. I mean, it looks like everybody in the world is following him for sure. So, oh, and he's there. Ryan, what's going on, buddy? Hey, man, thanks for having me on. Thanks for that intro. Way too kind, way too kind for sure. And uh, hey, I'll, I'll take more followers. Bring them on. It's fine. Absolutely. And and you're the first person to ever call me too kind. So that's how nice you are. <laughs> I'm only teasing. But uh but thanks for coming on, man. We're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about, you know, you and what you're doing, but I'd love to off the top get your maybe your your thought process of what I'm talking about. You know, the Irv Smith example is one, the 2021 picks is another. Uh give me your sort of just general thoughts on you know, kind of playing that value game and and maybe some of the things that you look for in Dynasty that 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 you try to, you know, maybe times of the year or or whatever. How how you sort of digest that those comments I made. Yeah, your your comments there actually made me think of an article, reminded me of an article I wrote. Man, it's probably been five, six, seven years ago. I'm actually scrolling through the the DLF archives right now looking for it. Uh, because what I did is is basically tried to look at um, every asset, and and I'm not talking individual player, but uh, whether it's rookie picks, whether it's veterans, young players, um, 
running backs, wide receivers, kind of kind of tried to look at some different groupings and, and identified the best time to sell them, the best time to buy them in dynasty leagues. And, you know, even though that article is, is several years old now, I'm still looking for it, by the way, but even though that, <laughs> that's several years old, um, I think it still holds true because dynasty players are so predictable. You know, you mentioned the Irv Smith thing. Uh, we see Kyle Rudolph gets cut. He's a veteran tight end. Uh, you know, it's, it's pretty easy to see that one coming. Um, but here we are. We're still chasing Irv Smith. And and I love Irv Smith. He's he's uh, pretty high in my tight end rankings, a player that I have on a lot of rosters already. But you should have been trading for him months ago, right? At the very least, weeks ago, because we knew this was coming. And, and, and even if Rudolph didn't get cut, then uh, we have we've seen his role, uh, you know, diminishing over the past couple of years with Irv Smith there. So, uh, but but that's not what we do. You know, we 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 see that we see that news. We react to it immediately. Uh, players getting cut. Players getting traded. Uh, the draft is is the worst one, right? You know, we'll see the we'll see the NFL draft here in in a few weeks and. Um, it's some of the reactions are just going to be so obvious. And I think to really try to rise above that, you have to try to see some of those things coming. And of course you're not always going to be right when you try to project those things, but uh, taking those chances, buying the player too early sometimes can really work out. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we, we try to, you know, at the undroppables, we do try and create uh, some uh, some content that can help people with that. Like, you know, we've got uh, contracts on the site, um, you know, we're, we're not quite as advanced as some of the sites that devote all their time to contracts, but we have, you know, players, uh, contracts information uh, for the skill positions on there. So that way you can see, you know, if you're, if you're, if, you know, if your running back has, uh, you know, no more years on his contract, one year left on his contract, Hey, maybe he, his fragility is a little bit higher. You don't think he's going to get re-signed. I'm going to trade him this year, uh, et cetera. Some of those things, uh, you know, there's so many, uh, inputs, that can affect player values. Some of it, you know, does go by the wayside. We're like, shit, I didn't see that coming. But a lot of it you should see coming. And yeah. free agency is one of them. You know, um, you know, I, I know, I know I was telling people on Twitter, I didn't have this podcast, but last year, carry on Johnson, Marlon Mack, you know, those were sort of easy ones to see that they were at least fragile. You know, it was possible. And, and you'll, you go back, you want to get some receipts on this. You can go on Twitter and see a lot of people were pumping, carry on Johnson heading into last year. And rightfully so he had an opportunity, a potential opportunity to lead that backfield, but he also had the opportunity to have what happened, which was evisceration. And so, you know, that, that, that asset, look, if someone was pay, it would pay you the, the value um, that was commensurate with a, a, an elite running back, you should have been taking that value. And if you could buy them, from someone who was scared, no, maybe it wasn't a crazy buy, but you know, so it's not always who you, who you should buy, who you should sell. I think I put out a little article with, uh, excuse me, a, a quick tweet with a couple of those players. And it was, you know, all the way from James Robinson, who's the, the one I've sort of picked on. And again, I love James Robinson, the player. And if he gets a role, I'll love him yeah. the player again next year, but he's in that sort of Philip Lindsay carry on Johnson spot where he performed well, I don't carry on, never really performed that well, but uh, you know, where, you know, we can envision him being a lead back, <laughs> yeah. but we can also envision him getting, you know, Najid. Um, you know, everybody says they'll never, they'll never draft a, a running back. Well, yeah, they shouldn't. 
Uh, I'm not asking any of my guests, hey, should they draft a running back early? No, we already know that they shouldn't. But the NFL has been known to make these terrible mistakes or, hey, maybe it's not a terrible mistake to take Najee in the early second if he's there out. But you get my drift. And so we we sort of look at those guys. And, and, you know, uh, another thing that was part of it, and I'd love to hear your take on this, is someone said, well, I can't sell James Conner. Nobody wants him in my league. And I'm like, well, of course not. What You're trying to sell him one for one for a player or one for one for a pick. And they're like, I'll give you a third. Yeah. And you're like, I don't want a third. So I suggested in almost every one of these situations, package him up. You know, put a 22 first, James Conner, uh, DJ Chark, and see what you can get now. Maybe you can get something that you're like, holy smokes, he gave me so-and-so for that package, right? Um, so I would go at it that way as opposed to just trying selling those types of players one for one. Yeah, totally, totally agree with that packaging. Um, it, it, those assets that are no longer as desirable, that's certainly, I think, the best way to do it. Going back to the James Robinson point, it, it's just going to be hard for him to maintain that, value because to maintain the value he has to maintain his production uh and and his production while um while it was certainly impressive it really came on on volume i mean he was the only running back in that offense Uh, they're going to add someone right they have to add someone and it's probably not Najee harris it's probably not aaron jones in free agency but they're going to take a, a late day two back, an early day three back, or they're going to sign um, one of these veterans to be the backup or the pass catcher. One way or another, his workload is going to decrease, and that's going to hurt his value. So I'm with you. I, I like James Robinson a lot. Great story. Uh, I do think he's the starter in 2021. But you know, to draft him in the third or fourth round in, in a dynasty startup, I'm not doing that. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, especially as you point out in a, in a startup, I mean, whew, I don't want to uh, step on some of the next stuff we're going to talk about because startup is definitely something I want to ask you about. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm definitely always looking for very stable assets or certainly elite assets, you know, like, you know, Devonte Adams type type assets. Now, granted, he's getting a little older, but he's a, he's no doubt elite. I'll, I'll draft those types of players in uh, in a startup. But some of these, you know, you know, twelve months from now, I'm not going to draft a guy that might be you know not a starter. And 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 again, I hope you know I get so much on Twitter. People are like he's awesome, James Robinson. I know, I like him. I, this isn't a player eval. This you're <laughs> you're running a dynasty team. You're not running a you know, an emotional, uh, you know, consult uh, group. You're, you know, this is whether or not your guy gets eviscerated. People were saying the same type of things about, you know, Marlon Mack and on Johnson, et cetera, et cetera, on down the list. You know, shoot, I, I fell in love with Duke Johnson at one point. I mean, he never even <laughs> surfaced. So, you know, we all have our crushes. Kenyon Drake. I remember Kenyon Drake going early second round last year uh, in Dynasty Startups because he was going to be, something special. And, and, and I was a full fade on Kenyon Drake for the exact same reasons. And so you really have to be careful. And, yep. and I agree with you a hundred percent that I don't think they're signing Aaron Jones. And, you know, my, my partner at the undroppables, uh, Randall Kennedy, uh, shared with me, he goes there, there, it isn't a very deep, uh, draft class and it's a very shallow, um, free agent class. So he's probably safe. And I, I think that's right. I think that it's more likely than not that he doesn't get 
fully replaced. Like, cause there's basically, it's like Aaron Jones, maybe Chris Carson, but not really. And then like, um, the, 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 th- the top three, like, uh, Javante, Najee and ETN are, are basically the only four players they could bring in where he is like gonzo. And I don't necessarily see that. I think there's a, a much better chance that they bring in one of the rookies, you know, and I said, uh, why do I think they might bring in a rookie? People are like they have so many other needs. It's like, well, that's true, but they have a lot of draft capital. So they, you know, I, I likened it. I don't, I, you probably didn't listen to last Paul, but I likened it to a, to a, um, a, a, a person who's super rich. If they have all the money in the world, uh, they might buy a yacht. They don't even go on, you know, once you have too many assets, you might buy something frivolous and certainly an early second round running back would be frivolous for them, but it's a new general manager, new head coach and totally new regime. They do need running backs. As you point out, there is no depth. So whether they decide to create depth, you know, at the top or the bottom, that's going to be up to them. And, and a new, a new regime. If, if one of those two running backs falls to the early second, I can see it happening. Just, you know, they're just going to click, click the button, send the card up early, you know, early second round for one of those guys. And it could absolutely happen. I, again, don't necessarily want it to happen. I guess I've mentioned it so much. I kind of do now, but not really because I love James Robinson, but, but that's the fragility (laughs) that you want to, you want to really shy away from, um, in in dynasty, you know, um, so, uh, you know, I, I think that's probably enough on that unless you got something to say on that, but. Yeah, I mean, I, just kind of everything you're saying just makes me think about this running back position, and and it's really different than what we see at quarterback. Obviously, what we see at, at, at wide receiver because of the volume of of those players on the field. But in, really, unless you're that elite running back, your job just is not safe. You know, you kind of got into it with Marlon Mack and Carryon Johnson and these other guys, and they've been fine. You know, they've been fantasy starters from time to time, maybe even maybe even for a full season, you know, out out of guys in that range. You you said James Conner earlier as well. But ultimately, they just weren't difference makers. They were not elite assets, and and that's why they were basically replaced. I guess James Conner technically wasn't, but... Not yet. uh, (laughs) Yeah, he he doesn't have a job anymore either. Uh, So... Uh, I, I think that's that's just really something important to remember. If you're making a trade in the offseason, especially at this point, so early in the offseason, you know, it, uh, it, it's still still very early. Most of most of the startup drafts, the big majority of startup drafts we'll see uh, have not happened yet. So this early in the offseason, if you're making a trade, you should really be targeting difference makers. Uh, and, and if there's a player that you feel that is kind of iffy, uh, then, then just stay away, right? If if a free agent signing could um, could kill their value, why make a trade for them now, two weeks from free agency? If a draft pick could kill their value, why make a, a trade for them six or eight weeks before the draft? You know, just, just wait. Um, let's see, one more thing. Oh, it's just the draft pick value. And I think we're going to get into this. But we see so many trade questions. You know, you get them on Twitter and I do, and, uh, and, and they're all over Twitter this time of year. You know, would you trade uh, – should I trade a third for James Conner? I think that's the one you mentioned earlier. Well, I mean, yeah, maybe that's fair. We've seen Conner has some success, and you could tell a story that maybe he gets another job, and he's probably worth more than some of the guys we might see in the third round who a bunch of them will never do anything. So you could – 
you could tell yourself a story that makes that trade make sense. But the real question is, who else can you get with that third rounder? And not just the rookies, but um, who else could you trade? Could you trade that um, that pick for a quarterback in a in a one quarterback league that could help you, or a, or a tight end, right? Could you package that pick with another pick and get up to the early second round? Um, so it's not just should I make this one trade? It's almost an endless amount of options you have to consider. And it, it's really tricky because this time of year, when we're talking trades, it's usually this player versus this pick, you know? Um, so that, that can be really, uh, really kind of a deep dive uh, with every single trade. Yeah, I totally, I totally agree. And, you know, <clears throat> we were talking a little bit beforehand. It sounds like we have a similar um, uh, thought process. And one of the things that I, I, I told you before we started the show, which was that, you know, I was I played in my first dynasty league. I started it before I ever really read anything about dynasty or, or or knew anything about dynasty because I was just a redraft player at the time. And you know, and 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 in the mainstream, there isn't a ton of dynasty content. So I said, well, where the hell's this dynasty content at? You know, some of it was you know sort of the real cool stuff that was behind a paywall, and I'm like, I ain't there yet. And some of it was like not very good. And I'd go look at like dynasty rankings. I'd look, and they'd be like, they hadn't been updated in months. I'm like, well, those aren't rankings at all. They're not even current. So I'm like, shit, where do I go? And so I hopped on Twitter and yada yada. And subsequently, there there I go. But what was interesting is I sort of didn't have any information. I didn't have this podcast or any of your podcasts or anything else. I just sort of said, okay what is my strategy? And I sort of implemented a very lame version of what you wrote about with your awesome article, Productive Struggle. And what I subsequently wrote about, uh, which was my sort of dynasty game theory startup uh, strategy. And it sounds like they're very similar. And I don't know that I'm, I'm not rigid with my strategy um, as I sort of evidence. I've only done one startup this off season and my my strategy is always you know trade back accrue value accrue what's that only one so far yes oh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I like that you threw that only in <laughs> yes um, and so but I, we're, I, I we're like still the, early. I've got zero zero by the way well yeah but you 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 you're an old dog I mean you're you're probably younger than me but you're 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 an old dog in terms of dynasty you, oh. you go way back man. Um, but but I my 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 goal is to sort of trade back and then draft as many you know sort of young talented wide receivers as possible. Let that be the core, and then just try and uh, uh, you know find running backs there forth. And you know I did that sort of, but then in the second round, late second round, Devonte Adams was there, so I drafted him. And then in the third round, uh, Ezekiel Elliott was there, and I drafted his ass too. You know, and I was like, well, there we go. So I think you can be sort of uh, you know a little bit liquid with your strategy uh when you know something else presents itself but in general that's kind of what i i i i tell people to do is to sort of trade back accrue future first round picks because those are huge capital to get a, a great player i mean you could trade three firsts and get camara if you need them so if you need that type of player you can use those to get that player but also you can kind of sit on it and wait for that draft and who knows you may be able to get you know, three Camaras, uh, if, you, if they end up one, two, and three, or whatever those picks end up at. So yeah. that's the general strategy. And I think your 
you coined it better than me because you're smarter than me and better than me. Uh, I swear this is the end of the, the compliments. It's going to be worse from here. But but productive struggle really does tell the, <laughs> the, the listener, you know, just in those two words, what you're really trying to do. Expound upon pl- uh, productive struggle and maybe tell the, the audience what, what has changed for you with that strategy uh, and, and how it's evolved. Yeah, so I've I've told this story a little bit before on on other podcasts, so maybe your listeners have heard it, but I'll I'll give you the quick version on just the history of it. Just like you, that uh, the the basis of the strategy was how I played Dynasty, and and I'll talk about that in just a second. But uh, I I knew what I did, I I knew how I built teams, I did it basically every time I did a startup draft or a new league, and. I'm a teacher in my day job, and um, one year, I guess it was back in 2014, um, I'm sitting in a in a meeting in a in a conference uh, with, at our school, and uh, this this presenter is going over over the the notes and everything, and and she says the term productive struggle, and. I don't know. That's that's an educational term I, I knew of, but it's not one that teachers use a lot necessarily. And in fact, it's really not one I had heard very often before and um, was just something that has had been kind of out of my mind. But as soon as I heard her say it, you know, I grab my notebook, I, I start jotting notes because I knew that was the perfect way um, to tell the story of of how I played Dynasty. Um, and how really so many others played Dynasty at that point as well, and, and how others would come to play. Um, so basically, the the idea behind the strategy is that you're punting. You're punting in year one. You're giving up uh, the chance at, at winning in that first season. And for a lot of people, they don't want to hear anymore. They want to win every year. They want to try to win every year at least. And <laughs> they're not they're not willing to basically tank or lose on purpose. And I totally understand that. That's okay. Um, you know, if that's a deal breaker for you, that's fine. It, you know, it doesn't hurt my feelings. That's the great thing about dynasty is that, uh, there's, there's no one right strategy. There's no one strategy, one strategy that fits, uh, every player out there. So, uh, that, that's the first piece. And, and honestly, that's the one for me, at least that's, that's kind of changed a little bit. Because so many of the other pieces of the strategy, um, I mean, it'll, it'll sound weird to a lot of your listeners and, and maybe to you too, that um, seven years ago when I wrote this article, these things were not the norm. You know, now so many pieces of, of productive struggle are things that 90% of dynasty players are doing, trying to trade for future picks. I mean, that kind of sounds like an obvious point. It wasn't very common. It wasn't as common, certainly wasn't as common. In fact, um, you could find a lot of leagues where um, managers were were almost giving those picks away. They just didn't value the future rookie picks. Uh, I think you said it earlier, trading back in the draft. Same thing. Instead of trading back, a lot of people were trying to trade up. They wanted two or three first rounders. Uh, they wanted three or four picks within the first couple rounds. So if, if you were trading back and, and accumulating those picks in the, the hot spots of the draft, you could really build a strong long-term contender very quickly. And, and that's what I was able to do a few times. Um, 
The I would say the positional piece of um, a productive struggle has definitely changed. At that point, it was a, like a full fade on running back, uh, but running back was also yes. just really, was really bad, bad back yeah. then, right? It was, right? it was terrible. Right. Um, in fact, I had to go back and I went back and looked at who the top five running backs were according to ADP when I released that article. And I don't remember all the names off the oh, top of my head. It's going to be uh, ugly. But hold hold on to your hats, folks. I, I, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to find it. But you know, but the top guys, the top rookie was Bishop Sankey coming out to just save save your team uh, at that point. Sorry man, if if you're if you're geez. triggered by Bishop Sankey, folks. That's uh, that, that that is normal. Well, I'm I'm glad I'm not. I was I was uh, avoiding him as well. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm looking for this running back list. I've, you've got me. I've, I pulled out my fantasy football, my dynasty notebook now. So here we go. All kinds. Oh, of, I love it. All kinds of goodies in here. Um, but that's but like anyway, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross leads right there. Those that's the that's the <laughs> sweet sauce. If someone could get their hands on that, they'd be. Uh, no, I'm just teasing. Oh man, this, it would it would be a little embarrassing. My uh, <laughs> my notes are all over the place. Uh, but anyway, so those those five running backs, top five running backs, according to ADP at that point, I think they went on to have a combined three more seasons of top twelve production between the five of them. If I'm remembering that correctly, you got a off couple names that you were, yeah off the top of your head who uh, that was. Lashawn McCoy was definitely yep. one of them. Um, McCoy was there. Uh, was yeah, that Jamal Charles working. or something? Charles might have been in that range. Yeah, that yeah. that sounds about right. Um, yeah, there was definitely there was definitely that 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 thought. And you know, it's crazy. I, I brought up um, you know just Devonte Freeman, Todd Gurley, James Conner. You know, um, there's just a ton of them. I mean, you know, all these guys get get ravaged by draft and free agency. And I'd, I'd love to, you know, I, I've said this on the on the show before, but I'll share this with you because I don't I don't know that you've ever heard me share this. So I, I've said a million times the reason that that wide receivers are more stable is not, you know, only one reason, but a very big reason is the very simple reason, the, the very simple fact that on any given team, uh, there can be two, there should be two, if not three or four wide receivers who are productive. You know when when C.D. Lamb gets drafted to the to the Cowboys, Amari Cooper might have been dead if you were a running back. Certainly, Michael Gallup is a hundred percent worthless if he's a running back. But all three thrived yeah. in that offense, and that doesn't happen if that's a running back. J.T. Now you can have the satellite back, which is kind of like you know a different person you know on the team. He's not necessarily a running back. He's sort of a wide receiver guy because he's catching balls out of the backfield so Naheem Hines can survive and players like that can James White but look you're not going to have um you know Sony Michelle and Damian Harris survive on uh, uh, you know on 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 New England or or carry on Johnson and, and Swift etc they're going to be gone they're just worthless and and then you can't trade them for that third round pick but Michael Gallup right now I mean he, he's not dead at all. Uh, and I use the sort of Marvin Jones corollary. I always said if Marvin Jones were a running back, he'd have been out of the league or whatever. You know, he'd just be nobody. He wouldn't be worth anything. A long time ago, yeah. Right? But he's worth something. He's going to get a contract. He's going to go play someplace. You can you can start Marvin Jones this coming year for sure. They last longer because they don't take the wear and tear. I also sort of will argue that a, a proper running back needs juice, Right? They need juice. Otherwise, if they lose their legs, mm-hmm. a la 
you know, Freeman or certainly Gurley, they become less valuable because they can't affect the game the way they, they, they need to. But, you know, a guy like Keenan Allen comes out of college without juice and he's been one of the top 10 wide receivers in the league because he's a tactician. He's able to create separation with, with technique. He's fast enough, but he's got, you know, he's got that skill that's able to be productive in the league. And so I think, you know, the, the, the fact that wide receivers aren't, you know, they, they don't crater out when uh, an alpha is brought onto their team. They may lose some targets, but they're still going to be valuable going forward is the main reason I do that. That's what I, that's my definition of a stable asset. So when I, when I draft Amari Cooper, I don't have to worry about CD lamb. Like a lot of people don't like Amari Cooper, but I guess what? He's going to catch 80 balls next year for 1200 yards and eight touchdowns. Anybody want to bet? You know what I mean? It's going to happen. Um, and CD lamb will get his too. And, and, and so that's a stable asset. Yeah, I think calling calling those guys stable assets are that's a good, definitely a good way to think about it. Uh, I would say the draft piece of the strategy for me, and that was that was true several years ago when I wrote the article, and it's been true ever since. Is draft ascending assets? I want to right. draft players who can gain value. Bingo. Um, and it's not to say that that other players won't produce. It's not to say that they're not good or they're not still valuable or that I wouldn't trade for them on, on contending teams. But Michael Thomas as a second rounder, I don't think he's going to regain that value. I don't think he'll ever be a first rounder in startups again. So when we get to the second round, I'm not considering him. No matter what I think might happen next year, if I do think he bounces back. I think, you know, I think past season will be a little bit of an anomaly for him, but I'm not drafting him in the second round. I'm not drafting Julio in the fourth or fifth or sixth round, wherever he's going now. Uh, he, he can't gain value. He can give us 1200 yards and 10 touchdowns, but he still won't gain value even with that stat line. So basically with every pick I make, I'm looking for players who I think have a path to increase their value. And that, almost always leads me to players to, to rookies to second year players, third year players. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree any more than that. Um, that is, that is the basis of my article on startup strategy because what ends up happening is if you just look at now it, you say, well, what's the big deal? Michael Thomas is going to be good. He's going to help me win. And that's totally true. That's a hundred percent true. If someone drafts Michael Thomas and Julio Jones, they're, 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 they're sitting there going, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. He's gonna, they're gonna be good. That's hundred percent true. However, if you look at your team, uh, you know, however many, sometimes twenty-five players. Let's say fifteen of them are, are you know, worth worth anything. The bottom ten are always kind of nonsense anyway. That's that's how we play. Hopefully, if you have a team with twenty-five awesome assets, you're dominating. But um, but but now you take those top fifteen. If you sort of visualize them as water in a cup, and if they all go up. At the same time, you now have you're now you're building the dynasty. That's dynasty. Now in a redraft, yeah, I'll take Michael Thomas at value because people are fading him and Julio, absolutely, because he's gonna put up those twelve hundred yards you're talking about. But in a dynasty, I want that cup to 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 boil over because when it does that, I can trade those things for other things I can hang on. I am so in charge. There's leagues and, and you all have seen it, whether it's you or someone else, there's a dude in your dynasty league who you're like, fuck, that team is so stacked. 
there's nothing I can do because even if they trade some of those players, they're going to get better players back. It's like, oh no. And, and so, you know, <laughs> it's, it's just the reality of it. So yeah, you want to have that all happen at the same time. I've even argued that, you know, so I coined the term, the dynasty curve, which is sort of, if you can visualize a player, uh, his stat line will kind of start low and then get higher over, over the course of his career and then kind of fade off again. And yes, there are um, aberrations to that uh, that sort of curve. There are players who will do nothing for a long time and then spike late, like a Darren Waller or whatever. But if you take everybody together, there will be a very defined curve of when these things happen. And so if you can uh, buy every player, all the players you draft are at the low side of that increase Oh my God! In two two years, you're gonna be you're gonna have all these guys hitting yeah. their prime at the same time, and that's that's how you dominate in dynasty. Yeah, you're you're right there, and and what we really see, you know, we've got some some pretty cool tools at at DLF at Dynasty League Football, and one that I really like compares uh, the players' ADP, their dynasty ranking from from our group of rankers. And their their finish uh, in in PPR leagues, and you know it, it's no surprise. It, it's basically exactly what you're saying. Those three curves go together, right? <laughs> we're we're chasing points uh, in, in even in dynasty, and right. um, so you just want to try to get ahead of those curves, right? You want to try to predict and project who are who are going to be those breakout players, who are going to be um, not even necessarily the breakout scorers, but Who's going to gain value, right? Right. Uh, because then you can take advantage of that, assuming you're in an active league that likes to trade. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, for sure, that that's 100% it. And, and it looks like maybe that you and I could probably talk about this for a long time, and I love it. Uh, we're absolute dynasty geeks. Um, there's a reason that you're, you know, part of the ownership group at Dynasty League Football DLF. I mean, that's pretty much says it all. Um, you know, I, 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 you know, dynasty's in my name. So absolutely Mr. Dynasty game theory over here, but, um, I've got another question for you. This one has been something that, you know, Mr. Big expert over here knows everything. Mr. Know-it-all always talking about one thing that I have a hard time with. And I even sort of said it on, you know, a, a, a lot of times when people ask me questions on Twitter about, you know, trade values and things like that, whenever they are a super flex league that includes quarterbacks, I almost I like sometimes I'll even we've got the undroppables group chat. I'll sometimes be like, hey, guys, anybody want to take this one? You know, go, go answer this question. And it sounds crazy. I'm, I'm Mr. Dynasty, but I have a really hard time um, knowing what the right thing is to do with quarterbacks. I've heard other people say, you know, draft them immediately, always draft them first. And I'm not so hip to that. I've, I've heard other people, uh, you know, sort of fade against that. And, you know, I tend to want to look for in those rookie drafts, those elite running backs, you know, last year it would have been JT Akers, Dobbins, Swift. I probably would have drafted all four of those before Burrow, Tua and Herbert. Looks like that was probably wise, but obviously Herbert, if we were to redo it would be one one probably maybe one Oh two. I don't know, but he's way up there. Um, yeah. You know, so, you know, the hindsight of looking at it doesn't, it doesn't make my strategy wrong, but as I start to think about what I want to do this year, especially with all five of these guys, 
I find myself not being so sure of myself. And I'm wondering if you've given this some thought and if you have any, any wisdom to share with me or, or the listeners, because I'm kind of curious. Yeah, I would say I'm one in a, in a super flex league and, and honestly, most of the, yeah, most of the super flex leagues I have done over the past several years <clears throat> have been startup auctions. So you can attack those a little bit differently than a draft, obviously, but uh, even in a, a super flex draft, I'm one of those that you mentioned. I'm taking quarterbacks early and often um, and, and really, honestly, drafting as many as I can. I mean, if we're looking at a, a 25 or 30 man roster, I'm totally fine with having six or seven quarterbacks on my team, including including those backups, because I know as soon as they start, especially if there's some kind of serious injury or or issue with with the starter, those players are going to have serious big time value, Um, which is, you know, that's one reason I do prefer super flex to two quarterback leagues. And and some people maybe don't see a huge um, difference between the two, but just the flexibility of the super flex league. Yeah. Um, you know, if you, if you got to go with just one quarterback and, and plug in that extra receiver or, or running back, you can do that. Um, so that's why I really love those leagues, but yeah, I'm, I'm usually in a, I would say usually in a, uh, in a startup super flex draft, my first two picks are going to be quarterbacks. And then thinking about uh, the rookies this year, you mentioned Herbert, right? We we fell for it with Herbert again. It, it's three years in a row now that yes. these these highly drafted quarterbacks we we thought we were smarter than the NFL, right? Yeah, we got um, it wrong. Yeah, we got it wrong. We certainly got it wrong with Justin Herbert. He fell to the late first round or the <clears throat> or the early second round of uh, of super flex rookie drafts, and of course that has to do with. The, the stacked class that we had last year, you know, yes. if you, I mean, almost, almost any player you might've taken ahead of Justin Herbert worked out. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you're, I mean, you, maybe you're regretting it, but you're not regretting it too much. I mean, you're no. still happy to have Taylor Swift burrow, you know, if you took Jalen Rager, maybe you're not feeling so great about that one, but in general, you're, you're okay with your pick, but, Going back the the previous year, and and this one's kind of up for debate, but Daniel Jones um, was was that that highly drafted quarterback who fell uh, to the second round of, of so many superflex rookie drafts, and um, obviously we we know kind of what's what's going on there. He's he's had some success. He's certainly had his share of struggles as well. Um, and, and then the year before that was Josh Allen. You know, Josh Allen. I call him the hot potato player. Nobody wanted him. Uh, I said this on a on a, another recent podcast. I, I shouldn't even admit it, but I'll I'll out myself because I was really just joining in with everyone else. I remember a tweet. It was this time of year. I was running a million different mock drafts, superflex, rookie, startup, everything. And I remember tweeting, "If you time out, I'm just giving you Josh Allen." <laughs> and you know, that, that was the joke. Ha ha. Josh Allen stinks. The bills overdrafted him. You know, they all they came into the league with all these concerns and almost every draft analyst out there hated him. And, 
we let that just overtake us. And, and he fell to the second round of, again, fell to the second round of, of most Superflex rookie drafts. And now he's, you know, now he's probably the second overall pick in a Superflex yeah. <laughs> startup draft. So um, all that to say, we, we've fallen for this three years in a row. I don't think it's going to be four years in a row. I think we've learned our lesson. We're obviously going to see Trevor Lawrence go 101 in, I hope, every single Superflex rookie draft there is. Um, whoever ends up being the quarterback, too, I think it's Justin Fields, but maybe it's Zach Wilson. Maybe it's even Trey Lance. Those two guys make up – or I'm sorry, those four play, four quarterbacks make up the, the top six overall players, in my opinion, in a Superflex rookie draft – and then Mac Jones is kind of the wild card, right? Like he's the one that you could see falling to the second round. I, I, okay. So I, I'm not like, <laughs> I don't, I don't disagree with you. Okay. But I'm going to play devil's advocate. You know, we were, if, if, if this were that draft where we had Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen. Yeah. And we were to put those five guys in the top five picks, we'd look like fools because, and, and, and your example of Josh Allen is a good one, but, but honestly, I was with you just so you know, for the record, I hated on Josh Allen too. Why? Because I'm a little bit of an analytic guy. I mean, I saw, I saw that he could throw the football. I saw that. Like I saw that he's a great athlete. That's clear, but he had like a 52% completion percentage his rookie year. Like, it was not a sure thing after his rookie year. His value was not that high. Um, Rosen washed out. Um, you know, Darnold is, you know, maybe QB 25 in Dynasty. He's not that valuable. Good luck trading him for, you know, Cam Akers uh, or Dalvin Cook or the guys that, you know, the high leverage running backs or, you know, even Jalen Rager, uh, you know, at this point. It's like really hard to trade that. So, um, Baker was a question. Now he's basically, I don't know. Um, he's not a, a, a one quarterback league quarterback. Like if you have him in a one quarterback league, he's worthless. He's a right. basically a, a, a quarterback two. Josh Allen is a supernova, uh, an outlier of epic proportions who improved his completion percentage from 55% to nearly 70%. I've never seen that. I'm, yeah, I'm a really young person, so obviously I haven't seen football very long. Ha ha ha. But um, but I I have never seen this. <laughs> so even that class where, you know, so I guess what I'm getting at is it's it's still an inexact science. Like you could take all these guys and I could paint you a picture on how Fields and Lance and Zach uh Wilson and Mac Jones, I don't know about Trevor Lawrence, but I think they all have a, a way to bust out. You know, there's a path where they just aren't the guy. Um, I, I, I think Trevor's at least a good quarterback in the NFL. I think he's going to be at least good. Um, but the other ones, they could be out, outstanding. I'll give them all that. They have that, that ceiling glimmer, but they also aren't perfect. I don't know. I just don't know. I, I it's, it's, it's a vexing question for me because there's going to be some other really high, uh, high quality, high pedigree prospects that you'll be passing over a Rashad Bateman, a Devonte Smith to take a Zach Wilson. Are you sure you want to do that? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I get it for sure. And, you know, to say that 
um, that all four or all five of those quarterbacks will, will go on to be fantasy starters and elite dynasty assets. I mean, I would never say that, you know, just, right. just, just <laughs> right. the math. I mean, the math alone tells us that two or three of those guys are, are going to bust. Um, and I, I wish I knew exactly which two or three. <laughs> Me too. I'm, I'm, Tell I'm the audience which sure. ones. Yeah, well, Mac Jones, for sure. Uh, oh, but, shots fired. <laughs> well, you know, okay. So <laughs> he's the only one that's not going to give us anything on the ground. And you don't have to be, um, you know, you don't have to be a podcaster or a writer to figure out that's kind of where <laughs> – that's kind of where the things are, you know, where fantasy's going. You look at the top quarterbacks, and they're pretty much all giving you something uh, yes. with their legs. And and uh, Mac Jones is is not going to do that. That's I'm right. not sure how much I'm not sure how much Zach Wilson is going to give us there either. But I agree 100 percent with that one too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, <clears throat> so yes, all those guys are going to bust. But uh, you're you're taking a chance on finding the one that hits, or the or one of the one that that hits, because if they hit. A year from now, you've got a you've got a top twelve asset. I mean, yes. even Joe Burrow, who uh, obviously missed a big chunk of the season with the injury, we're not even sure he's going to be ready for for week one. He's basically a, a top twelve, top fifteen. You know, he's a borderline first rounder right now. Yep. Um. So, so yeah, I'm I'm still taking that chance. I think last year it was a, honestly a more interesting debate because. I mean, I saw leagues where Joe Burrow or Tua did not go one, two, you know, where Clyde went one or Jonathan Taylor went one or two. So last year, not only did we have Herbert falling to the late one uh, or early second, but we also had Tua falling to the middle of the second. We had Burrow yep. sometimes uh, falling to, to second or third. So I, I think that's just due to <clears throat> the talent of that class. And I don't think it's the same here. I mean, I like Najee Harris. I like ETN. Uh, I, I I love Jamar Chase. He would be the exception for me. But Bateman and, and and Moore and Smith and Waddle, I just don't think they're at that same level as far as uh, for me. I just don't trust them as prospects enough yet. And maybe that changes over the next two months. I still I feel I feel like I still have a ton of work to do with these guys. Yeah, I think um, we, we of course, have more work to do because there's more work to be done, meaning, you know, most of these pro days won't go off. We don't have the combine, which would normally be right now we'd have that data. Or wouldn't it be happening right now? I mean, uh, was it last? I forget when the hell yeah. it would happen, like right now-ish? Um, yeah. So we'd normally have that either right now or it'd be going off right now. So we'd kind of have that to start to sift through, talk about. It'd be the next layer of of – of, of, of data and the next opportunity for people to freak out and, and make drastic changes in their rankings for no good reason. Uh, because a guy ran a four, three, one for, you know, we knew he was fast. Let's move rugs all the way up to wide receiver two. <laughs> Great. Good for you. Um, but, but, um, but we don't have that. So it's going to happen periodically and in a way that's certainly new for everyone, including NFL teams, by the way. But um, so now we, we, we sort of delay that, and a lot of them are going to be like March 29th, I think, like as late as that, like pretty late, like yeah. almost through April 1st, we're going to be having these uh, these pro days and then the draft uh, late April. So you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, I, I prefer and I was going to actually ask you this was on the show sheet for a second, but 
I just I would always prefer to do my rookie drafts after the NFL draft. I know that there's an edge to be gained uh, from from sharp players to have it before the draft, but I just think it's more fun to have the information about where they're playing and their landing spot and things like that. Just because you know it's it's sort of dumb luck where they get drafted. That has no, you're not going to know whether Arizona or Detroit takes them at pick 23 or 24 or whatever. I'm just making that up, but they're not drafting back to right. back. But you know you could probably know exactly where they're going to go in the draft. But then they go to this shit landing spot playing behind Zeke for some reason, and you're like, oh my god, this running back got bomb behind such and such. So I think you get my point, but um, we, we're not going to have all that. So we should be continuing our process. Um, but I agree with you. I think, you know, Jamar Chase is that guy. And then there's, I think, a, a maybe a, we're going to get there maybe a little bit later, but a, a group of almost 10 receivers that you could put in a snow globe, shake up and, and, and who knows if I'm right or you're right, so to speak. But um, yeah, I think, I think with the quarterbacks, I think it's kind of like the NFL where they just don't, they don't know. Uh, you know, they get it wrong. I mean, Jamarcus Russell went 1.01 and was 309 pounds after, after his rookie year coming into camp the next year, right? Like who knew, I don't, who knows that? I mean, nobody knows that stuff. So I think there's so much predicated with quarterback. You know, someone asked me about Trey Lance and I said, and, 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 and you can play back off this, like what you think about Trey Lance, but someone asked me about Trey Lance. I'm like, well, he's got a, a big arm, a great body, he he performed admirably. Never threw an interception. Like he's fast, strong. He he his completion percentage was great. So if we're just talking the numbers, he's awesome. Now he played at a small school, and I have no idea how that's going to translate to a huge jump in uh, in competition level. And I have no idea. I've never spoken to the man. I don't know anything about him. I don't know if he's smart. I don't know if he's driven. I have no idea. So here I am with that whole bit of information that that is for that position, especially such a huge amount of it. Uh, what the hell do I know? I don't know. Like, I feel like I don't have the the one piece of information that I need, which is, is this kid built for it? Right? Yeah, that's a great point. And, and because we, I mean, that's, that's kind of the missing piece for us as fantasy players. Right. Um, and that's, that's what makes the game so challenging because whether they were, they were the first overall pick or whether they were undrafted, we kind of have to do our, do our best to take the pieces of the puzzle that we have access to and see that full picture. Yeah. And like, you know, for me, that's one of the things that with, um, I don't know if you've seen my anatomy series, but basically the anatomy of a, yep. of a, of a quarterback or running back, et cetera. And one of the things I looked at for a quarterback was games started. And it, it sounds stupid. It's like, well, who cares if he played this many games, that many games, or how many uh, attempts or starts he had or whatever. And, and it's just because it's the, it's the Trubisky effect, right? Uh, not to pick on, Bears fans, I do this all the time. All my Bears fans uh, hop, uh, you know, you know, hop on Twitter after the show and be like, "You son of a bitch!" You know, I don't do I do it on purpose sometimes. This one is inadvertent, so Bears fans don't don't come kill me. But you know, Trubisky, yeah, they are used to it, Ryan. Oh, Ryan, piling on. Um, But you know, Trubisky was that one year starter who didn't seem to be able to translate his game because he hadn't gone through those trials and tribulations. By all accounts. You know, and I, I do have a friend of mine who is, you know, sort of in the Bears organization. He's a great kid and everybody loves him. But I think he 
I don't know. You know, with Trevor Lawrence, he he was in the national championship game as a freshman. He he won that, by the way. But he's played in big games. He's been able to go from year to year with all the pressure and highlight on him and deliver. And I think that that goes somewhere. It's kind of like Deshaun Watson. A lot of people were picking holes in Deshaun Watson's game, if you remember correctly, when he came out. But he also, you know, faced down those bright lights and delivered in big moments. And I think it tells us a little something about those players. Um, And, you know, we don't know that about Trey Lance, right? I mean, he played at North Dakota State, played one year. It's a little bit of a, it's a missing puzzle piece for sure. Yeah, it certainly is. And and for me, um, even more of a concern than the um, than the small school aspect is is the year off football. Um, and I know we're dealing with that with with Jamar Chase and and with so many other prospects in this class. But to me, it's just a little bit different with a quarterback, especially when you factor in that that quarterback from from the smaller school. So, um, I mean, he he's certainly no sure thing, but um, he. He maybe also has the highest upside in the class, I guess I would say, other than Lawrence. We don't want to, <laughs> we don't want to challenge that right now. No, and and I think uh, I think Trevor is, is there any world in which no, almost no matter any sort of landing spot from anybody else or any more information that you could possibly get other than Trevor Lawrence gets hit by a train that would make Trevor Lawrence not your one hundred and one in a superflex league. No, no, he's he's my one hundred and one. Yeah, barring catastrophe that we we shouldn't even speak about. <laughs> yes, uh, he's the one hundred and one. We, I mean, we basically know his landing spot. We know his draft capital, draft position already. We've known that really for uh, a couple months now. I'm not worried about this shoulder surgery, non-throwing shoulder. All reports on that are. You could are, cut off his left arm. I draft him first <clears throat> overall. Yeah, yeah, basically, basically. <laughs> um, coming into the league with uh, nice weapons already with, with Chark and Chenault and, and James Robinson, who we talked about already, it sounds like they're going to be a player in free agency at the wide receiver position as well. So, um, yeah, he, he's the 101. He's he's the, the lockiest of 101s. So maybe, um, you know, I, I you and I talked about this. We were going to talk about some prospects now. And I think the way we were going to talk about prospects was you and I were going to go back and forth on a mock draft. And my next question, I think I'm going to hold off on, because I was going to ask you, how soon would you take Trevor Lawrence in a one quarterback league? But maybe that's cheating if I ask you that question, because maybe we'll just do a little one quarterback mock draft, you know, quick. We don't have to, you know, uh, you know, just kind of go back and forth. And whenever something of interest strikes either of us, you can ask me, I can ask you. We'll just have a little bit of a conversation around where we have these players now. And, you know, we'll even speak to our, you know, um, uh, you know, the, the idea of increasing assets and decreasing assets, because there are some of that, you know, going into this draft. There's some guys who I'm very sure will maintain their value from today till May 1st. And there's some that I'm like, oy, oy, oy. You know, I'd pick them now, but uh, after the draft, they they could they could be they could be sunk, kind of like an Eno Benjamin from last year. I don't know if you remember. We all kind of liked Eno, yeah. uh, you know, up there a little bit, and then he went seventh round. I was like, Jesus, I guess he's dead, um, right? You know, so I remember he was getting mocked in the second round, 
uh, before the draft. And then he was a fourth, fifth round pick in, 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 in uh, rookie drafts after the draft. So there's always a few players like that. But um, so let's do a one quarterback, two round mock. Is that cool? Yeah, let's fire it, fire it out here. All right. So do you I'll ask it. <laughs> I'll, do you want the first pick? Or do you want me to have the first pick? I'll let you choose because I really don't care either. Just so you know. Um, I'll, hey, I'll take the first pick. I'll take my it. guy. Yeah, I okay, want to hear who that is. By the way, so that's probably better. So I'm a little undecided at the 101. A little tiny bit. Let's see if you and I at least agree somewhat. Well, I'm a little a little undecided at the 1.02. So this this will work out well. Um. I'll take Jamar Chase, 101. Najee Harris. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'll go, go ahead. That was only teasing. Go ahead. Um, yeah, I mean, I do think, I think for a lot of people, we'll see Harris at the top of drafts. I'm um, only teasing, by the way. It, uh, that's that's okay. Um, in fact, so Najee Harris was the 101 in our February uh, mock draft data over at DLF. Um, and he and Chase have flip-flopped now in, in March. Chase is at the top. Uh, Harris the second by by a very narrow margin. So I, I think I think most dynasty players are looking at those two guys as the top two options uh, in general in those one quarterback leagues. Uh, I, I like Harris quite a bit. Um, I, I I could definitely see a way that he could come into the league and be a top twelve running back really from day one. Um, but for Chase, I mean, I just think he's I just think he's special. Honestly, I think he's um, the next long-term elite, like eight to 10 year, um, huge elite dynasty asset. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to argue with Jamar Chase. Uh, I will say, you know, all the data sort of points to him, right? It's like, you know, certainly the eye test, uh, he was elite standing next to elite, which was Justin Jefferson, right? Yeah. Like he made Justin Jefferson kind of, we, we almost questioned him. He was oftentimes the fourth, fifth wide receiver off the board in rookie drafts last year, you know, behind Rager and Judy and, and uh, CD who's obviously still, you know, awesome. But um, I think what's interesting is, you know, if you do a little film analysis, he's very electric at the, at, uh, you know, deep. What I don't see with him too often. And, and we just didn't see a lot of attempts is, is sort of the underneath stuff, the sort of, you know, the, the anything under 10 yards, you don't see him winning like a, like a technician very often. And that doesn't scare me uh, at all really, Mm -hmm. but it's just sort of like, I find it interesting. I wonder, you know, you got to find the negative and and with Jamar chase, it's, you got to look for a long time to find it. And that's about it. Like it's really just a nitpicky film analysis thing. And, for me, he's the clear 101. I have not moved him off the wide receiver one for me. I tend to want to target because of my strategy of of getting all these wide receivers in a startup. I tend to want to target elite running backs. I'm not sure there's a, a, an elite, elite running back here. Um, you know, it, it, if we rewind, and, and you can maybe speak to this, last year we had, um, you know, I had JT1, generally acres to swift Dobbins, whatever those three, the acres swift Dobbins was like a, was a whole thing. But before Harris Chuba Hubbard and ETN had gone back, I had ETN with those other four. And then I had Harris and Chuba 
and then I had CEH. That was at this time last year before, when I, a little bit before now, because they would have had to declare. And so what I'm getting at is they weren't as highly rated as a prospect, meaning ETN and Harris, as those other four guys. They were close, though. And so now they're not juniors anymore. They're not early declares. Not to say that that makes them a worse player, but analytically, it technically does. And so now I wonder a little bit. I'm just now, now Javante is that early declare. I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this, Ryan. If I, if, if the combine were right now, and if Javante Williams ran a 4-4-9, he'd, I'd pick him right now. I mean, he's that good. Um, but if he runs a 4-6-2, and that's not bad, he's still going to be a good player, then I'd, I'd probably move him to, to RB3 or 4. What do you think of that? Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, and I think that speaks to really how close those three running backs are. Um, which which is kind of a surprise, but that's the way it's trending. You know, that, that basically Williams is catching up to uh, to the top tier and, and has caught up to the top tier uh, of Harris and, and ETN. And I agree with what you said for the most part regarding those two kind of combi- compared to to last year's running back class. I do, th- I mean, for me, ETN was at least in the running to be the 101 last year. Um, I was, I was, I was a little lower on Harris, which, um, I I mean, I think the ETN decision proved to be a bad one and the Harris decision proved to be a great one. Like that's pretty obvious. Yes, uh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. You, you, you nailed it. And you know, the one thing I'll say that, that makes me want to lean Harris is body size and, Mm -hmm. and his catching ability. If he were just big, I'd lean ETN or maybe even Javante, but I'm going to go ahead and take Najee Harris at the 1.02. And I know I filibustered a little bit and probably gave you some information and got some information, but ultimately this is a podcast, not an actual draft. So, you know, I think information is what we're trying to deliver. So it's okay. Uh, We're not actually keeping score, although we are keeping score. I've got the guys taking score. No, I'm joking. But, um, but so (laughs) Najee Harris, uh, I'm an idiot, Uh, but Najee Harris is, his three down skill set is what attracts me to him. Obviously can be a goal line back, obviously can be an every down player. And I think he can actually play a third down role, like a legitimate, I can catch the football, not just screens and dump offs. We've seen him out in space. It's pretty impressive. So I'll take Najee Harris. I think I know where you're going here, but go, go right ahead. Yeah, it's, it's really close for me here. I, I, I said I was torn on the 1.02. I guess that's probably at, probably not actually true because I do think I do think Harris is the pick there. Um, but now I'm torn on 1.03. Uh, <laughs> ETN, uh, I'm going to take ETN. I'm going to take Travis ETN. Uh, Javante Williams is really close. Really, close. really good. Yeah, he's yeah, really he good. Is. Like I said, if he runs 4.49, he's going to be hard to deny because. You know, you watch the tape and look, when you watch tape, it's like, okay, he's playing against college kids. You know, I don't know how fast every linebacker is that I'm watching when I'm watching the tape. You know what I mean? Yeah. So maybe he's run away from a guy who runs four, eight, five. And it's like, well, whatever. <laughs> of course he looks fast, but you know, maybe, but in the NFL, there's no four, eight, five. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, of course there's four, eight, five, but they're all really fast. So mm-hmm. getting away from guys, you need to be 
really explosive and really quick. Otherwise, you're, you know, you're just not quite good. You know, you're you're still a good NFL player, but you're not, you know, Dalvin Cook breaking touchdowns and 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 killing people. You know, because JT Acres, all these guys who are just dope. You know, so if you want that guy to be dope, he's got to really run that fast to break those big plays, you know, otherwise, I mean, look, David Montgomery was great, but he's hit and miss. Why? He's just not elite athletically. He's a hell of a football player, just not elite athletically. If, if David Montgomery ran a four, four, five, I'd pick him one-on-one because he is a really solid player. He just doesn't, he's not gifted in that way of, of being super explosive. I'm taking Javante, by the way. You got to, you got to. Um. All right. This is a this is an interesting spot. Non tight end premium to answer your question. <laughs> you know, I, it would have to be a big premium for me to go that that direction. I love it. I um, love that answer. Yeah, but we're gonna play it, chicken on that. That's gonna be fun. If if it's start two, well, if it's start two, he's probably already gone. If it's yeah. two PPR, he's probably already gone. Um. But if it's just if it's just one point five, I'm still not taking him. I'm going to take it's, Rashad Bateman. He nice. is my wide receiver two in this class, um, which is uh, it's actually getting. I don't want to say the consensus because this this class is so it's so packed in, right? Especially at the wide receiver position. That's why I love it. There's like there's like five guys that you might have as your wide receiver two. Uh, but for me, it's Bateman. He is actually now the wide receiver two in our March DLF ADP. I think, I feel like he's, uh, you know, he's gaining, he's moving up. Uh, I just love what he did. He's another one that was uh, a a little bit of a concern with the past season, but I mean, honestly, we just, we just can't hold that against guys. I don't think, you know, he, he opted out, he's back in, he opted out again. Uh, when he was on the field, he was just okay. Um, that Minnesota offense was, was kind of a disappointment in general, considering they had, uh, they had Bateman, they had uh, likely an NFL quarterback at some point, but um, yeah, for me, Bateman is, is the wide receiver two in the class and uh, a pretty good value here at five overall. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, you know, I, I messed around. I'm going to take Devonte Smith here next. Um you know, I, I equated – I've been trying to work this thing out, this this BMI situation. Mm, I feel yeah. like we're we're all in this sort of like echo chamber where we talk about it and we don't – we just keep talking about it and we don't actually work it out and figure it out. And so I, I, I made a statement last week that I'm, I'm going to test out on you. I said uh, Devontae Smith BMI is like DK Metcalf agility. Yeah. Yeah. That's maybe, maybe I can see it. Um, I don't know. Like, is it, is it much to do much to do about nothing is basically what I'm saying. Yes, it matters. Like DK Metcalf isn't running these sort of routes, right? He's not running like he's not Keenan Allen out there, but uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, so, you know, D- Devonte Smith isn't going to be bully balling people, but he does have elite uh, jumping ability. You've seen him go up and get, he's got great, big, strong hands. Like he's not flimsy and like a pushover on film. Like he does make play. Now he can be moved off a little bit. He can be pressed a little bit, but he's really quick and he can get off press. And obviously I, there was a great stat. And I don't know if you saw this it was PFF stat. It was the, the highest 
uh, quarterback rating when targeted over the last four years. <clears throat> Excuse me. So in 2017, it was in, in the whole country in college. So in college, highest quarterback rating when targeted. In 2017, it was A.J. Brown. Oh, okay. All right. Excuse me. Yeah, A.J. Brown. He's pretty good. In 2018, it was C.D. Lamb. Oh, okay. All right. That yeah. checks. In 2019, it was Devontae Smith. And in 2020, it was Devontae Smith. Interesting. Yeah, for for me, there's I would say there's just enough questions and concerns. The the size that's probably not a that's that's not a deal breaker. Uh, the age slash later breakout not a deal breaker on its own. Uh, can he can he do what he did? In college, meaning, can he basically get open no matter who's on him? Eh, I don't, I don't know. I don't. I would be surprised if he can. But there's just enough of these little things with with Smith as as great as he was, especially this past season, that I'm probably just going to let somebody else take him at this point. Um, now, if he falls, I mean, we're seeing in some mocks he fell to the late first. Now, now, you know, now I'm in the Devonte Smith business. But, <laughs> He's going. He's going four or five or six in some of the mocks. I, I'm taking some of the other guys over him at that point. Um, at seven, our, our game of chicken is over. I'm going to take Kyle Pitts. Um, and at this point, it really just becomes a draft capital question, right? Like he's he's probably going to be a top ten pick in the NFL draft. And even if you tell me he takes a year and a half to, to really develop or a couple of years to really develop looking at the other options, which are certainly not bad, but looking at the other options, um, I, I would take my chance on, on the player and NFL team thought was worth a top 10 pick. Well, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. There was never a pick. I was going to take Kyle Pitts cause I wanted to see how far you'd let him fall. Uh, I was, he was off my draft board for this draft just to see how long, uh, because I almost said it like we're going to play a game of chicken as if I was going to lead you down to see how far you'd <laughs> go before it was like, no, 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 I need to take him because look, you've been doing dynasty long enough. You don't draft tight ends in the first round, right? I mean, Historically, Eric Ebron, whatever. Like, you just don't do it, right? Now, I'm not suggesting in this case that we don't do this. I'm not actually. I'm actually suggesting we should definitely take him in the first round, especially in a one quarterback league. I don't know where. I don't know where. I don't know exactly where that is. I think it's definitely after those first three running backs, unless something weird happens in the draft to any one of those three. But as it stands now, it's definitely not before, for me, Bateman or uh, Chase. I think they're sort of not surefire. There's no such thing. You know what I mean, though. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. Pitts, Devontae Smith, I think that's fair, somewhere in there. Yeah, so seven overall uh, is where I grabbed him. I mean, there's, I've seen people say they're taking him 101 in, <laughs> in a one-quarterback league. Don't do that. <laughs> like, just don't. Um, top that's two, great. top three, top four <laughs> even. I mean, fourth overall, if it's, if it's Chase, Harrison, RB2. One of those backs, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. still, Maybe. still probably too early for me. I think, 
I might have taken him at six if I, you know, if I had that pick and and was looking at the board like that. But there's there's one more wide receiver I really like, and I almost took at seven instead. Well, we'll see if I take him. And of course, you know, if it's a real draft and we're in a real dynasty league together, you could lie to me. But uh, for the people, don't 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 do that. Uh, I'm going to take Rondell Moore. Did I take him? You took him. Yeah. <laughs> you took him. So Rondell Moore. Uh, I mean, wow, what a what a freshman season. Of course, the concerns are the injuries. Um, and and honestly, the the play that we saw out of him this past season when he was on the field, it's just an upside thing for me. Uh, I think what we saw as a freshman, I mean, he he's a little dude, but he's not really little. I wouldn't call him little because I, I've I've seen him, you know, I've seen these these weight room clips and uh, he might be shorter than me, but uh He's not little. Um, so, I mean, he is strong. I, I, um, I heard a recent comp of um, uh, Steve Smith, which, which I kind of get a little bit. Um, shorter, shorter guy, but, you know, legs is like a tree trunk. So, yeah, I, I'm more was the, the guy I almost took there at seven. I'll say this real quick about Rondell. Like, you know, again, when you look at analytically um, on the surface, you know, we look at freshman or sophomore year uh, breakout. And obviously he had, you know, freshman year, true freshman year domination. He had versatility, dynamism, all of it. I mean, he was a he was a, 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 a rusher. He had over 200 yards as a freshman. However, if you take the analytics and go a little bit deeper he starts to become a little bit concerning. You know, they don't really have a dot uh, uh, data. Uh, something for you guys to get on over at DLF. Now I'm only teasing, but um, a dot data at at uh, you know for for, for uh, any sort of accurate information. They don't really have even targets, which is ridiculous. So um, you know, we we kind of have to generate our own targets. I know um, you know player profiler does have targets. I don't know how they source them. If they just do the tape, you guys have target data. Yeah, we've got targets. Okay, good. There you go, DLF. So one of the other reasons just to go over DLF. Um, so are you guys just tracking it yourself? Um, um, you know, guys. You don't have to tell me your secrets. Yeah, no, yeah. You don't I wish I knew the secrets. They, they don't tell me the secrets. Uh, okay, all right. You just have it. It's there. Don't 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 ask any questions. All right, Goomba. Like back off. All right. I'll, I'll call it down. I don't want to get. I don't want to get thrown out of the club. So, um, but you know, a lot of that that data in college we don't really have. But um, uh, w- what we do have is. You know, the fact that he was he was very close to the line of scrimmage. He doesn't have uh, he, he just wasn't targeted down the field. And that's where I don't think the Steve Smith comparisons uh, are apt. I don't think he profiles as ever playing outside. Steve Smith, if you remember right, would punch people in the face and then catch a, a fade. You know, he's like unbelievable. This kid's going to win with quickness inside, I think, as a, as a slot receiver. But I think he can be a high volume, big play receiver out of the slot. And so at this at this spot in the draft, I'm happy to take him. It's your pick. Let's go. We'll we'll go a little bit more rapid fire as I know both of us have some place to be soon, but uh, no place I'd rather be than right here with you. So keep it keep it up. All right, 1.09. I'm going back to my draft capital mindset, and I'm going to take Jalen Waddle here. Jalen Waddle, not a bad pick. Um. Let's see here. 
So I'll I'll do something that's fun and I'll let you make another decision. This is someone that I would normally not take in this particular spot because I believe he'll be there longer. But I'm going to go ahead and, and make a point by taking this particular player. Again, if I were here and I wanted this guy, I'd probably trade back knowing he'd be there. But I'm going to take Tylen Wallace. Um, I think Tylen Wallace is this kind of player. I think he, he fits right into this spot. Um, I think there's a lot of uh, dynasty leagues where he will be passed over here and you could trade back into the early second and get him. But give me Tylen Wallace. Love that one. Definitely one of my guys. Um, I hope I hope nobody listens to this one. I hope everybody just skips <laughs> this episode. I want him to fall into that uh, into the second round. That's that's what he's doing in our ADP, uh, early second round. But yep, I, I, I love that value. Uh, even at the ten, I, I don't think that's a reach. I just really hope he gets that uh, that early day two draft capital to kind of match up what I'm seeing from him. Totally. I think, I think that will kind of complete the, you know, complete the, the prospect package there. Totally. agree. Um, you mentioned me making a decision. I'm, I'm going to make that decision. I think the one you were talking about, I'm going to take Trevor Lawrence. Nice. Uh, 11 overall. Um, I think there's at least an argument or, or I, I will say I've heard the argument that Lawrence should be the one Oh one in this draft class, even in a one quarterback league. Wow. If we really believe he's the next Andrew Luck. Um, now, I wouldn't do that, um, but I, I do think there's enough of a chance that that even if he's not the next Luck, I mean, he de- I don't even, what does that even mean? But <laughs> right. I, I think there's enough of a chance that he's an elite asset, that he's maybe the quarterback one overall uh, at some point in the near future that taking him at 11 is, is, is certainly, you know, worth the um, worth anybody else you're giving up at that point. And honestly, I, I considered him pretty strongly at nine over Waddle. Yeah, I think, look, he, that's where I think he's going to go in these drafts. I think he's going to be a first round pick in most one quarterback leagues. Well, Joe Burrow was in last year's class. <laughs> Joe Burrow was a, was a late first rounder. So yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, you know, I certainly, um, I, I, you know, it, it depends on the league too. I think some leagues, you know, uh, one quarterback leagues, I'm in some one quarterback leagues where there are starters on the waiver wire. I'm in some one quarterback leagues where quarterbacks are absolutely hoarded because, you know, there's, there's a finite amount. And so all starters are always rostered and, and they're sort of, they sort of play, the players, the managers in the league play as if it's a super flex in, insofar as they're like, I'm never going to drop a starter, you know? Uh, so I've, I, I play in both. And I think you have to know your league. Uh, certainly if it, you know, if you, if you are set at quarterback, I mean, yeah, I guess, uh, you know what, if you've got Patrick Mahomes, what the hell are you worried about? Like you're net in a one quarterback league. When are you sitting him? Especially if you have a decent backup, some sort of middle tier, <clears throat> excuse me, quarterback. But I, at some point, you got to just pick talent and get good players on your team, and 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 then use them as trade bait. So I, I got no problem with the pick, and uh, those are the two guys I wasn't going to take in this draft was Pitts and 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 Trevor Lawrence, just to see exactly where you fit them in. You know, so there may be a couple other of those that I'm going to fade because I'm curious. Um, but at the end of the day, I, 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 I can't fault the pick. So to round out the first round, 
this is a spot, man. I don't know. There, th- this is like, my gosh, I play with my rankings all day long and I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I would love to, after I make my pick, you can tell me a little bit of, uh, you can make your pick and tell me a little bit about where DLF uh, ADP is in, in, with these next two picks. Cause I'm really curious. So uh, I'm going to take Terrace Marshall. Um, I, I, you know, I'm going to swing upside here. I think he's got enough of it. Um, that I think he's worth a, a swing here at the 112. If I'm a, you know, I think, you know, in some ways we should almost draft as if we just won the league, um, you know, at, at 11 and 12, we were in the Super Bowl. You know, at, at 112, at that point, um, you're swinging a little bit. Let Give me a guy who could absolutely uh, return huge value for me. And Terrace Marshall has, you know, elite alpha X, sort of a Kenny Galladay profile, if you will, you know, so give me that. Yeah, I like that. And ADP said he was the next best player available, uh, oh, 11 overall in our ADP. So a uh, good pick there. That's probably who I was taking next. Uh, so I uh, I can support that one. Um, You're at the I 2.01. Really, yeah, I think I think we're looking at a little bit of a teardrop here between no doubt uh, between 12 and 13, which, of course, will will fit in perfectly uh, with with the round separation there, you know, I think we already carry that um, kind of in the back of our mind, that, that fallacy that the one twelve is worth so much more than the 2.01 or any other yeah, second rounder. In this um, case, it's true. Yeah this, yeah. this time it might be true. Um, I'm going to go with Elijah Moore, the old Miss wide receiver um, slot guy can really, really do it all though. And uh, another one of these undersized players, you know, we've, we've, uh, we talked about um, Rondell Moore earlier. Both of those guys, I, I think, are five nine. We've got a, a couple more receivers uh, under under that six foot mark. And a couple of years ago, we would have really been worried about that. And now, it's, now it's almost not even a consideration. So it's interesting to see how how that's changing. Yeah, the game has changed, right? It used to be, you know, you go back to the uh, the um, Dallas Cowboy years in the early nineties. It was you know, Moose Johnston was the fullback. Yeah. Emmett Smith was the tailback. Jay Novacek was the tight end. And then you had two wide receivers. And that was it. Only two relevant wide receivers. They were both 6'4". They were both 200-plus pounds. That was the prototype. There was no other room for anybody else. A 5'9 wide receiver had no place in that league. Well, the league has changed, and now you're running three, four, sometimes five wide receiver sets. You want multiple players, like guys like Curtis Samuel and um, – you know, others like that who can who can get, you know, Debo Samuel, who can who can run the football and all, do all these things. There's different types of, quote unquote, wide receivers, you know, the the, the big slots, uh, all these different types of players. And Elijah Moore absolutely fits right in. I think it's a great pick. He, he's also young. Uh, he is not yet 21. He'll be 21, certainly when he when he plays his first NFL down, but he's still 20 years old. Uh, he's got a, a huge college dominator. I mean, he was. Uh, 45% of, of, of Ole Miss's offense. Um, he, you know, he, he broke out uh, under, under 20 years old at 19 years old. So he's got a lot, a lot going for him. You know, you turn on the film and he is able to just break ankles and, and get open quickly. And in the NFL, uh, that guy's going to get fed. So I I'm with you. It's interesting. I'm not sure, you know, landing spot a little bit dependent as to whether or not he's going to be given early opportunity, but I think you and I both agree on the skill set. Give me Elijah Moore, definitely a good pick. Um, I'm going to take a an uh, boy. 
<sighs> so it's funny because at some of these running backs, I'll just say, I need more information. I want to know what they mm-hmm. run. I want to know what they weigh. I want to know where they get drafted. Some of these running backs might be like, I would absolutely be slamming the button on these running backs right now. But again, without some of the information, I'm more prone to selecting the wide receivers because they are sort of more sure to have some sort of a role. Like I'm between a bunch of running backs or Amon Ross St. Brown. Now, if some of these running backs land softly, 100% I'm taking them over Amon Ra. But with no information, it's like, I'll just do it. I'll take Amon Ra, even though I think in a lot of situations, like I said, I would take the running back who gets the spot that I like where, you know, because with running back opportunity matters a a bit more than with wide receiver. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. And and I do think that's how it will ultimately play out that we'll see one or two of these, what I guess, second tier running backs land in, in pretty nice spots and, and they'll gain some value. I mean, of course we saw it with, Keyshawn Vaughn last year, and and we saw how that could really work out. When we saw it with Ceh, remember Ceh was yeah, a, uh, was a, yeah, Very true. I mean right, and so you know he he obviously vaulted all the way to the one one hundred one, but nobody had yeah. him above the one hundred five. Uh, excuse me, the the, the yeah. running back five, like that was the height of 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 Ceh for ninety percent. I know there was a few people who had him up there, but uh, the consensus, I should say, was you know running back five, but. Uh, go right ahead. You're at the 2.03, uh, unless you got more to say about Amon Ra. No, I'll, I'll go. Uh, I'll go back to the wide receiver position. Uh, I've been surprised at how this guy's falling in mock drafts. I I really love him. I don't think he's uh, necessarily that all around wide receiver prospect, but what he does, he does pretty well. I'm going to take Seth Williams here. Wow. All right. I'll tell you, I like this pick. So um. Huh. Okay, so Seth Williams right now, where is he DLF ADP? This is an interesting case. I like this. Um, so he's at 15 overall, and, and hmm. that's actually he's actually above Elijah Moore. He's behind Amon Ross St. Brown. But the range on this guy is wild. He was drafted as high as 8th overall. Wow. As low as, low as 28th overall. Wow. So um, I think ultimately he settles somewhere in that range as a probably a – mid second rounder uh once we we do see a couple of these running backs jump up probably ahead of him maybe ahead of st brown as well uh so i think he settles in in that i took him at 15 you know 15 to 20 range is is where we'll probably see him come off the board well i'm gonna take you know a little bit of um kind of a uh my bay here i'm gonna take michael carter mm. You know, the more I watch Michael Carter, the, 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 you know, the more I like, um, you know, again, landing spots going to be so dependent. Draft capital is going to be so dependent. I could see myself with an Eno Benjamin situation, but I think the NFL likes him. He did. He was like five, eight, but he was two Oh three or something like that. So two Oh three is not that heavy, but at five, eight, it's actually pretty sturdy. Um, so I think he's sturdy enough to carry the load, at least to some degree in the NFL. Um, I'm not sure that he's a lead back, but um, I'm not sure that he isn't either. So, you know, uh, he's not that far off of 
De, uh, 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 DeAndre Swift size. Um, you know, he's not that far off of that. I'm not saying he's Devonte Smith. I mean, excuse me, uh, DeAndre Swift as a player, but uh, I am uh, in some way. I mean, he's a heck of a little runner, man. So I'd love to see him land softly somewhere in the NFL, but um, you know, he's a little bit of a volatile pick at this particular point, but uh, yeah, give him to me. Yeah, I think at this point you can go that direction, and it really is going to be interesting who ends up being the running back four in yes. dynasty leagues because I think there's probably four guys, maybe five players that you could make a case for being the RB four right now, um, and and you know that'll shake out. One of them is is going to be drafted earlier than we think. A couple of them are going to be drafted later than we think. Um, I, I left someone off that I did, you know, I probably should have taken, but I'm curious to see if you, if you do this. So go, go ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting with bated breath, man. I'm, I'm still hammering these wideouts. I'm going Diami Brown. Yeah, there he is. 17 overall. I'll take, uh, I'll take Carter's, uh, UNC teammate. Uh, this is another one of these guys that is rising big time. Um, I know all the the analytics folks, you know, Rotoviz and and Player Profiler, they're all over this guy. Uh, I, I I trust what they tell me. I like uh, Diami Brown a lot too. He yeah, he, he yeah. does really well in 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 our in our model and and in everything that we sort of look at as well. So that was the guy I was talking about. I almost just selected him, but I was like, you know, let me just see what happens here. So uh, great pick. Um, let's go with. Um, let me see who I want to take. See who you take. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take Chuba Hubbard. Man, yeah. <laughs> I'm, uh, we we talked about the ETN and the Harris decisions. ETN was uh, or Harris was a great decision. ETN was not so great, and <sighs> Hubbard was terrible. The terrible worst decision. possible decision yeah. ever. Yeah, exactly. Ah, yeah. oh, I feel terrible uh, for the kid. Yeah, he would have been. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Let's see. Honestly, who you got. I think there's probably two or three running backs that I would have gone with ahead of Hubbard. Still, yeah, this I don't, I don't have a problem with that. I, I, I probably look when it comes right down to it, maybe me too. But you know, at this particular point, I'm just going to take that pedigree. And it, again, if it, it's it's sort of a projection, but imagine if he just sort of lands in the third round with San Francisco or something like that. It's like, okay, let's, right. let's see this happen. Oh yeah, yep. I think I'm going to throw a little little curveball for you here. Uh, I'm going Justin Fields. There you go. Um, yeah, I think Justin Fields has has QB one upside. I mean, I think he could be a top twelve quarterback, uh, not only in in dynasty ADP, but but on the field uh, in in pretty short order. Maybe not as a rookie, but I, uh, certainly pretty quickly in his career. Uh, and when you're you're talking Hubbard and Brown and some of these other players that are left. I think that's where it makes sense to to take a swing. You you found the other one that I wasn't going to draft no matter what. I wanted okay. to see where. So good job there. I should have waited. I should have waited. No, no, I'm glad you did because you know at some point it's like, gosh, I wonder where these quarterbacks fit in 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 a redraft setting. And 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 I love Justin Fields. And you know you're right. He you know he look in a one quarterback league. Here's another bit of dynasty game theory. I'm sure you agree with this one. You know I talked about Baker Mayfield being a non one quarterback league asset because he's just sort of meh. But in in two quarterback or super flex leagues, meh is fine. 
Give me David Carr, Kirk Cousins, Baker Mayfield. I'm fine with all the meh because that meh is in your super flex spot scoring your points. Whereas in a one quarterback league, all you want is ceiling. And so Justin Fields fits that profile in a one quarterback league. If you took, you know, um, uh, Wilson, I'd have been like, I'm not, I don't, I don't like the pick. Uh, even Trey Lance is a fine pick because, and, and I'll just do that. I'll just take Trey Lance. So you can't take him next. So I'll take Trey Lance. And, and it's, it's, it's indicative of that upside swing where if Trey Lance hits, he's like, I mean, <laughs> he's, he's a top 12 player. No, like all he has to do is be a starter and he's a top 12 asset it, because he's, he's Josh, uh, Josh Allen. Like that's what he is. Now, if he can't play the NFL game, he's a bust. He's a washout. Who cares? So it's a, it's a, it's a risk reward pick with both fields and Lance at this point. Yeah. I, I think we've got a couple of instances in this class of, um, you know, kind of signal players. Like once fields goes off the board, if you like Lance, you better grab Lance. Cause <laughs> yeah. you know, he's going soon. Um, I think there's a couple of others like that. Maybe we'll get to them uh, in in these last few picks here. Maybe. Uh, (laughs) I think I'm going to go back to the wide receiver position one more time. And this is a player I'm still trying to figure out. I know a lot of folks are out on this guy. Um, His ADP is much lower than I expected it to be. But every time I look at a mock draft, he's showing up in the late first round. Uh-oh. And I, I think that has to have some value. I think we should at least pay attention to that. And and certainly if he ends up being a first rounder, we should definitely uh, pay close attention. I'm going to take Kadarius Tony. My listeners knew it was coming. My listeners knew it was coming. I have coined this guy Cadaver the Tony because <laughs> he is – actually, that was uh, Chris Robin, Detroit Beastie. But, like, literally this guy is like – I mean, he's dead to me. Now, at this particular yeah. point, honestly, he's not. But you're right. He's being mocked as early as, oh, did you? I said it last week on the pod, and it was kind of a bit I did, but it was the Charlie Casserly thing. Did you see Charlie <laughs> Casserly's mock? I did not. I t- oh, boy. I try to avoid those normally. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, my my bit last uh, last week would definitely tell my listeners to avoid it as well. I'll give you the quick rundown. Charlie Casserly. Now, he mocks Kadarius Tony to the to the to pick 20 at the Bears, which look, that's fine because at the end of the day, he's telling everybody what might happen. Fair. If it look, if it's it, he's got his ear to the ground, he's talking to other people in front offices, it's very possible that Kadarius Tony goes 20 to the Bears. I got no issue with that. I mean, I have an issue with it if I'm the Bears, I think they're ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's uh, that doesn't make any sense. But if Charlie Cashley says it, it might be true. But what he then says in his comment section is he says, and Kadarius Tony is currently a better wide receiver prospect than Justin Jefferson ever was. Wow. All right. <laughs> well, I guess I can keep avoiding then. <laughs> and I thought to myself, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, honestly, what are you even talking about? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. What are you talking about? Like that's not true. Like the he he may actually be a pretty good little player. Like I'm not even trying to say like I I said like I love Lynn Bowden last year. I loved him, you know. Oh man. Right? My Such God. a fun I think 
I think Kadarius Tony is a lot like Lynn Bowden. He came in, played quarterback as a, a, a high school player. When he got to college, it was kind of all over the place. I think they're very similar, and I love Lynn Bowden. So th- for that reason, I would love Kadarius Tony, right? But if Kadarius Tony is going to get drafted in the first round and like late first round, in 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 or early second round, like above Elijah Moore, get the hell out of here! No way! Like I'm not doing it. I, you know, and Elijah Moore in most drafts will probably go after uh, Kadarius Tony after the NFL draft because I think Kadarius Tony is going to go at late first round. So I don't hate the pick here. Truly, I mean, I I don't. Um, it's in that ballpark of where you should start taking. I mean, look, second round. It's if he gets first round draft capital, you didn't make a bad pick. But um, he's just it's just incredible the type of um, you know press he's getting uh, given his you know um, performance uh, in, in college. So he's an old senior, late breakout. You know, don't get, don't get me started. Uh, I'll take a guy with legitimate WR one upside here. And that's Tamori and Terry. That's another bad decision, right? Another one of these kids who could have been in last year's class comes back. We're looking at, we're, we're looking at um, ADP on him and he's falling to the fourth round of some of these mock drafts. And I know, I mean, I know it's February and March and I know these are mock drafts, but there was there was first round rookie draft potential and honestly first round NFL draft potential with him last year and in those situations you just wonder were we all way off on that or has he gotten worse I mean I know there was a, a little bit of I don't want to say off the field but he he wasn't happy with the way things were going left the team early it was it was just a, a, a messy year for for that kid you kind of feel bad for him but. You know, and, and I'm not in love with him, <clears throat> um, but, you know, and I, and I may rethink it. I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not like a big Tamori and Terry fan, but what I will say is he's six foot four, 210, 220 pound wide receiver who ran 23 miles an hour in college. Like they say he runs a four, three. Now here's the negative. He's 23. Okay. He should have come mm-hmm. out last year. hundred percent. He had quote unquote attitude problems. Those attitude problems may be real, maybe not. Um, you know, I've heard some rumors that the Florida State coaching staff, you know, is less than desirable in terms of the way they were, you know, treating players. But I don't know. Look, I, I'm not going to speculate to that. But what I do know is that the NFL may punish him, so to speak, with draft cap if they find that he's a, a you know, a red flag player. Um, but he just profiles as, you know, big, strong, fast, early producer who you know, ran really fast. I mean, there's just enough there where it's, it's a, it, it literally is a, you know, it's a three Oh fastball with a green light. That's what it is. Right. You know, you're just, you're like, I know it's a fastball. I'm going to swing. It's either a home run or I'm missing it all together. Right. Like I'm hitting it to Jupiter or it's in the catcher's mitt for, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm, it's a huge swing and a miss potentially, but it, it, if he hits, he hits huge. My last pick here, 211, 23 overall. I have not taken a running back since I took Travis Etienne with a third <laughs> overall pick. That may be uh, a problem. We, we knew this running back class was was thin. I didn't realize it was this bad. Uh, I'm going to take the guy who I think right now would probably be my running back four. But like I said, it, it really is wide open. I'm going to take Kenneth Gainwell here. Um, 
really like what he can do as a pass catcher. Uh, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be landing spot dependent for him and, and really for all of these running backs in this range. But at, at 23, late in the second round, uh, again, worth the worth the risk. You know, it's crazy. I, I love Ken, Kenny Gainwell, and I'm going to take Jamar Jefferson to, to wrap it up. And yeah. both Kenny Gainwell and Jamar Jefferson, I will tell you, I probably would take a lot earlier than Tamori and Terry and Kadarius Tony and a few guys. But we just, I think you and I are both sort of realizing that we just don't know enough. And these wide receivers are a little bit more sort of, you know, Jamar Jefferson and Kenny Gainwell could absolutely be, you know, late first round picks come May. Uh, right. I mean, because if they hit a spot where you're like, oh my God, dude, they're going to be, you know, Jamar Jefferson late second round to San Francisco. It's like, he's, he's definitely like, mid to late first round easy you know um well all we have to i mean all we have to think about to know if that's legit or if that's crazy talk is Keyshawn Vaughn right 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 i mean we did not consider Keyshawn Vaughn nobody considered Keyshawn Vaughn a potential first round rookie pick this time last year at this early point and in in a lot of leagues i mean he wasn't consensus but in a lot of leagues thanks to landing spot thanks to um not that he had great draft capital, but maybe a little bit earlier than we expected. He got there and yeah, we see what happened. Yeah. And I, I know you've got to get going. So I'm going to, we're going to call it. That was awesome. That was a lot of fun. <clears throat> you stayed for a long time. The people love uh, this long podcast. You're amazing. I thank you. I want to just, uh, just let you kind of say, say goodbye, but you probably won't even pump yourself. So I'll tell everybody where they can find you real quick. And if you want to add to it, you can, but you know, go to DLF football. Um, you know, they're kind of the, the apex predator and dynasty, um, information. They really do a great job. They're kind of the, the spot. They've got amazing articles and information and they even have targets there. Unbelievable. Didn't know that. I'm so sorry. I didn't know that. Um, you know, Ryan was, uh, the, 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 coin phrase productive struggle but you can also find him on his on his podcast uh locked on dynasty um really I, i'm a listener just so you know i listen to ryan I, you know and um I, I love the group you've got there you guys do a great job with your dynasty podcast you you are fun and informative and um you know likable um you know you, you just are um you can find him at on, on twitter at ryan MC23, Ryan McDowell, thank you so much. But say, say goodbye to the folks, and uh, I appreciate you, man. Yeah, thanks again for having me. This was fun for sure. Uh, I would be uh, be glad to jump back on here anytime and uh, and chop it up and talk some Dynasty. Thank you so much, man. You're, you're awesome. Uh, everybody loves you, including everybody over at the Undroppables. Speaking about everybody over at the Undroppables, just, uh, just want to say thank you to everybody for listening. On behalf of everybody at the Undroppables and at the Undrafted, uh, and my team here, which is Don Mega and Michael Duncan, um, thank you so much, and peace out. Peace out.